Today is the best day of my life, not because when we leave here, we're traveling to some fantastic, exotic destination, and we're not attending a once-in-a-lifetime event. Today is the best day of my life because I've decided that each day is. Yesterday was, and tomorrow will be too. This is my version of this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on in, it's okay. (laughs) I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember. My parents, who've been married for 55 years to each other, took me and my sister Robin to a Lutheran church in Overly, where growing up I very much enjoyed the lollipops that we got after Sunday school, but not a whole lot else. Conflict within that church led us to stop attending sometime around middle school, and I was able to experience that elusive concept of lazy Sunday. I was an avid reader, a budding writer, an artist. Ariel's family went to church, and she listened to Christian bands that I'd never heard of, and still really, apart from her, I've never heard of, like Over the Rhine, which she made me a tape of, and I still have. I went to church with her once, and I was surprised at one, the volume and the enthusiasm of the singing during service compared to my old Lutheran church, and two, at Sunday school when we went, the teacher asked me, the visitor, direct questions about the lesson, when I certainly did not raise my hand. Sometime around middle school, high school, I started to feel dissatisfied. Lazy Sundays are all well and good, but something was missing. I prayed before bed in a long list of, Dear God, please bless Mom and Dad and Robin and Grandma and help me pass my math test. And that was really the extent of how I was directly communicating with him. But without knowing it, I was experiencing him all over the place. I was really into the author Lucy Maud Montgomery. And in her style, I used to write lengthy descriptions of the sunrises I could see outside my window. And I loved sitting outside on the porch during a thunderstorm. And I deeply loved the natural world. God was captivating me daily with creation, calling me with wildflowers and starry nights. I just didn't yet have the words for where this feeling was coming from. And I told my friend Ariel how I felt something missing, but also like something was pulling me. Like, could this maybe be God? I felt so weird trying to express this because church stuff at the time when you're in middle school or high school felt super uncool, like in a Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, hidey-ho there, neighbor, kind of way. But the feeling within me was strong enough to overcome my teenage sheepish embarrassment. And what happened next changed my life forever. Ariel didn't instruct me to pray a form letter sort of prayer, asking Jesus to come into my heart. And she didn't get all uncomfortable and weird and change the subject. She took my hands and gently said, God, This is Amy. As if he was right there in the room with us and just waiting to be introduced. And I wept joyful tears for the first time that I can clearly remember because it was the first time that I recognized 
the feeling of God's immediate presence. I felt seen and wanted and known. This was not a far-off, anonymous, beardy guy who may or may not be blessing my family every night at my request. This was a someone who wanted to know me and who had been singing to my heart for years as I got to know him. Have you ever seen somebody before and kind of thought, wow, I bet if I got to know them, we'd be really, really good friends. It was like that. Like Ariel just facilitated the meeting of two people who had observed each other from a distance and wanted to become acquainted, and it was finally happily happening. So you students in the room, even if you think, oh, I'm just a kid, even if you think, oh, I'm only in middle school, know that God is using you as a witness to people around you, and you might be called, if you haven't already, to bring others to him. When I was 16, Ariel and I were in the musical Damn Yankees at Parkville High School, and one of the lead roles was the devil, because it was a musical, so why not? So, and this was played by a guy named Joe Miller. And it was funny that he was the devil, because this guy was even more religious than Ariel. Like, he wore Jesus t-shirts to school. And he led the bible group that prayed at the flagpole every morning. The thought of that made me feel kind of shy. Because the way I was finding God was far more private and personal. And the thought of praying out loud like that in front of people seemed... No, couldn't do it. Didn't know how, didn't want to be one of those people. Not that the kids in our school like that were pushy or mean or judgmental. Really, they seemed really forthcoming and sure of themselves in faith. And they seemed to know so much, and I did not. I couldn't have located a book in the Bible without, like, using the table of contents. But this guy, Joe, he actually seemed funny and cool. And despite his gold cross necklace, he was... He was more than that. He was cute. <laughs> so at the cast party, after our shows were over, he asked to talk to me in the music hallway. And I thought to myself that if he was going to ask me out, I was going to say yes. And then he asked me if my friend Ariel might like to go out with him. <laughs> and they dated for several years, and Joe and I were just friends. I did start going to church, usually just by myself. And it was about 50% wanting to do the God thing and 50% wanting to show off in the choir. I was still writing in my journal, and I started collecting perfect days. Usually, I was trying to write down the memories of family and friend time, and it involved delicious food and beautiful weather. For example, I didn't bring my journal because it was super embarrassing to even go back through them. Oh, but I did write, I did find on December 4th, 1998, I went on a field trip to center stage to see As You Like It. And then I went to the poetry reading at school because I was so cool. And then um, we went to Midnight Madness in Ellicott City where the stores all stay open late. So it was stuff like that. Joe and Ariel broke up, as teenagers do. And Ariel and I eventually drifted apart in college like people do. But Joe and I reconnected my first year at Towson University. A good friend's dad unexpectedly died, and she had asked me to contact some people from high school and invite them to the funeral, and Joe Miller was one of them. And it just so happened that day that I called him, he was moving into an apartment right off campus. 
So we started talking and hanging out and falling in love. And I bring up Joe not to tell you our adorable story, but to show you the way that God was drawing me out, again using someone that I knew and trusted to bring me closer to him. The Joe that you know right now today is the Joe he was 17 years ago. He was dreaming of becoming a pastor. He was teaching young people what it means to follow Jesus, and he was being very serious about the Bible. It was amazing to be around him. I was learning a lot, but I still felt like a rookie beginner baby Christian. He took me to a service at Grace Fellowship Church where he was interning, and I was weirded out, y'all. I was suspicious of the comfortable non-pew seating. And the songs were all up on screens, and everybody seemed to know them except for me. And there was a drum set, and people were singing with their hands up in the air, and oh, my baby Jesus, did I just join a cult? <laughs> Lutheran Church did not prepare me for that. So, do you remember, this is a little off topic, but I'll get back there. Do you remember the singer Dido? Think of the soundtrack of a 1990s romantic comedy, and there you go. So, Joe and I were dating. A friend of his got tickets to the Dido concert, and we went on a double date. But it was at a semi-outdoor kind of venue, and it was pouring down rain that day. And I did not like Dido enough to be that miserable, so we stayed in the car. So Dido's big hit song was, I want to thank you for giving me the best day of my life. The best day of my life which I didn't put together in my head until I was preparing for this sermon and thinking, yes, God has a sense of humor, and yes, he will play a long game for a joke. So there we are in the car, pouring down rain, and we started talking about deep topics like the future with a capital F and like faith also with a capital F. Joe made it clear that he wanted his future wife to be a believer. He knew his call to ministry, and he wanted it to flow from a Christ-centered marriage. And he needed to know that Jesus mattered more to me than Joe mattered. And so for the first time out loud, outside of church, I professed my faith and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And even with Joe, whom I'd known for years, loved with all my heart, and felt more comfortable with than anybody in the whole world, even with Joe, I felt weird saying that out loud. I still didn't know Jesus well enough to get the Sunday school picture out of my head that, like, Jesus was a long-haired, gentle surfer holding a lamb. So as we kept dating, Joe basically discipled me, and we started out reading the book of Matthew, and I still remember discussing the Sermon on the Mount while we were walking around campus under the yellow streetlights. So what happened between then and now to make me able to declare that today is the best day of my life, when that day I could barely say Jesus without feeling self-conscious about it? Lots. But here's the highlights. We got married, started attending New Hope. The week we got back from our honeymoon 15 years ago, we intended to church shop for a while and then We put down anchor here. We never left. We joined a house church, and I started going on the women's retreat every year, which was huge. Not specifically because of the Bible presentation bits, which were good, but 
because of the people and how we prayed for each other and we interacted and truly trusted each other and we got all up in each other's business. Having Mary and Anne and BJ as examples of godly womanhood was both encouraging and comforting. This is where I learned about laying hands on someone while you pray for them. And if you've never experienced it, a feeling washes over you. That feeling from Ariel's room back in middle school of being seen and loved and known and letting go of pride and inhibition to be surrounded and submerged in the Holy Spirit. One of those retreats in Gettysburg had Anne Voskamp as the key speaker, and she talked about Eucharisteo, which means thanksgiving. She talked about being thankful and taking the time to give thanks to God for his blessings and going out of your way to seek them with holy eyes right inside our ordinary everyday lives. Her book was called 1,000 Gifts. It inspired me to start a gratitude journal (laughs) where I write the blessings that surround me. And I'm up over 800 now. Sometimes I don't open it for weeks on end because I get busy or it gets buried at the bottom of the pile of the books that's on my nightstand. But when I do pick it back up again, I don't punish myself or feel bad about it because there's no normalness. There's no mundanity to doing this. Even if what I write down is the gift of clean water or a healthy family or a full refrigerator. For six years, I've used the right-hand side over here just for whatever comes into my head. Sometimes it is funny things that James said when he was a toddler that I don't want to forget. Sometimes um, worship song lyrics, prayers, nature observations, because I still do that. Sometimes it's about times with friends. For example, uh, number 793, the look Joe gets on his face when handed a baby. 794, James and I are speeding through Harry Potter series. At breakfast, before bed, James keeps asking for more chapters. 796, I'm thankful for non-creaky steps. 798, uh, on October 12th, 2016, we had fall fun at Weber's farm with James and Maddie Fales. The kiddos had a good time, agreeably. We ate cider donuts and Chick-fil-A, played hide-and-seek, and their version of Pictionary. I have pages and pages and pages full of this. On the right, or the left hand side, which side? Left hand side, what did I say before? This one. I write down things that seem like they should have their own page. Big things. Births and weddings and answered prayers and encounters with the Holy Spirit. Really, really good things. February 5th, 2016. James can read. November 1st, 2015, Joe's first official day as a paid employee of New Hope Community Church. February 23rd, 2014, God is all at once breath and living water. Sometimes I still realize that I have those perfect days. And I write those down and I revisit them later. But right now, I thank God for all the blessings. that I'm surrounded with every day, all the time, 
all around me because God is right here, right now. Emmanuel, God with us. His miracles surround us all the time, and we've become so used to them that we forget they're miraculous. The very setting and the rising of the sun is a miracle, that we have the privilege of getting older, but not necessarily acting like a grown-up, Jen Hobson. That we have enough, and sometimes we even have plenty. A few years ago at the Ludwig's House Church, we did a summertime series called Storylines, which was by Donald Miller. And in the summertime, we'd go out and sit on the deck by Steve and Melissa Reynolds' pool. And what sticks out the most to me for that series was an exercise where we wrote down important life events in our Christian walks, the highs and the lows. And we placed them on a life timeline to analyze our own stories and also to get to know each other better by sharing with the group. House church can be another one of those sacred spaces, like the retreat prayer times, where we grow to trust each other, not just because we're gathered acquaintances, but because we're allies in the battle against darkness. It sounds dramatic, but when I think of what house church has come to mean to me, friends just isn't a strong enough word. So we're battling darkness with Anna and the Holoskis and the Hobsons in the Reynolds backyard, coming to the parts of our spiritual timelines that we considered the lows, where bad stuff happened, when sickness occurred, depression prevailed, or tragedy struck. We didn't have to share the worst if it was too private or traumatic, but the thing about all those hard times, when you follow Christ through them and out the other side, you learn God uses them to shape you and teach you and get your attention. But we all said, even though the lows were terrible at the time, we wouldn't want to go back and change them because of how God used it, who we came because of it, and what happened next that might not have happened otherwise. We found patience, perseverance, gentleness, mercy, Our Christian walk is rarely easy, but there's so much sweetness in finding out later what God was doing. And I've made peace with the mystery of how that happens. I don't need to know. God knows. He's God. I'm not. That's fine. I trust that even when everything is going wrong and nothing seems clear, God is using it for his glory. Today is the best day of my life because everything has led me here. And I wouldn't change a thing. I don't want to repeat it, but I'm the best Amy I can be because God has been with me through so much. I'm so used to thinking this way now that it's not merely an optimistic personality or having a sunny outlook. It's thanking God right in the midst of hardship, Kate Brion. (laughs) Saying hallelujah before what I know could be a bad day or a week or through a terrible season looking for the blessings despite inconvenience. Like, okay, you're behind a slow driver. That could be protecting you from some danger ahead. You're paying a bill that you don't want to. It means you're trusting that God's going to provide. You're doing a sink load of dishes. It means you've got food to eat and maybe somebody to share it with. In my gratitude journal, I actually thank God for an overflowing toilet once because it meant that we had clean water to clean it up and a big washing machine to clean all the towels that we used. I thank God, even for your predicaments that you have carried here with you today, 
because he's going to use them in your story to come. Because of all this, I've been asked frequently throughout the years, why are you so happy all the time? And it ranges from curiosity, why are you so happy all the time, to distrust, why are you so happy all the time? This is basically the situation that our series passage, 1 Peter 3.15, is about. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you. I worked to Panera Bread for a while, and sometimes I wore a cross necklace, and I could sort of gesture to it in like a, this is why, but let's just keep this, you know, quiet, because I'm incognito kind of way. I was still uncomfortable with trying to explain that I was a joyful Christian, happy to be serving the kingdom while I serve you your bagel. (laughs) I leaned pretty hard then on the quote attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. That really worked for me. I don't have to offend anyone by using hashtag Jesus or making anybody uncomfortable. When I worked at World Relief, which was a Christian organization, no explanations were needed because we were all in chapel together every week. We were all in the same place. Last fall, I started working as an office assistant for an engineering company. It's a diverse, secular, multicultural office space where you're not sure who believes what, if anybody, you know, is uh, practicing what religion. And just a few weeks after I started, I got the question. And I crashed and burned. I'd been delivering mail to, like, people's cubicles and offices and sort of learning people's names and getting comfortable in my routine. And a very nice person that I didn't know well approached me in the copy room and said, so how are you like this all the time? And I'd really like to tell you that I told him, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I consider every day the best day of my life because of God's constant blessing and provision. Unfortunately, I stammered some sort of train wreck of a sentence, like, oh, I'm not like this all the time. I get to have nice quiet time in my cubicle, and that gives me energy, so I can be happy. (laughs) I was not prepared. I did not have the words. I was afraid of alienating a coworker or being lumped into the same club as abusive, intolerant hate mongers who claim to be Christian. I should have been more prepared. A pastor's wife, of all people. I can't even hide behind the excuse that, you know, some people are just good at talking. Joe is amazing at just bringing up the topic, all casual-like, and people feel really comfortable talking to him about it. I am up here before you all today on the best day of my life talking and spilling my guts. I can't just say that some people are good at talking. As St. Anne of Green Gables said, tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it yet. So I am taking what I learned from my break room fiasco and telling you about it today so that I will be prepared for tomorrow. I do want to mention that In the same vein, I've never really invited my non-church-going family and friends for Sunday at New Hope before. Some people are just really good at inviting their friends, and I've never been one of those, but I'm not using that as an excuse. I actually did make a few invitations for this sermon, and I almost didn't because I worried that I might make them feel weird or pressured or embarrassed. But the feeling that I want them to know me better 
and through me, the God I love, is stronger than the worry. I pray for them because, better now because I pray that God will help them feel his presence and they will experience him the way I did and still do. So, my allies in the battle against darkness. It just sounds cool. When you get the question, are you going to be ready with your answer for the hope that is in you? Have you found the feeling in yourself? Have you made peace with the mystery? Are you going to be prepared if somebody says, why are you like this? Let's pray. Dear God, these are my friends. This is my family. Thank you for loving us, for being with us right here, right now, using our every moment for your glory, for your name's sake. Help us trust you in our triumphs and our brokenness, in our highs and our lows. Help us see the wonders and beauty that are hiding in our struggles as you call us closer to you. Amen.